You're listening to Red Nation Online. night and welcome to off the woodworks the team formerly known as the wizards won the mls cup an epic final to an epic season for the sporting kansas city last night down in the frigid frigid cauldron as they say or livestrong park or just the sporting park well it was a frozen pitch a frozen game that ended in a 10-shooter penalty, my friends. An epic final. And if you haven't seen that penalty shootout, well, go on MLSsoccer.com right now. Pause this podcast, go watch the penalties, and come right back. It's worth it. It's one of the greatest penalty shootout I've ever seen. So today on After Woodworks, we will be talking about that in the first half. In the second half, we will glance over the FIFA World Cup final draw that happened this Thursday, we know who everyone's going to face in the World Cup in a group stage. So we will glance at every single group and trying to find out what's going to happen or maybe what's not going to happen. And Group G, is that the real group of death? And France got lucky. Le Bleu got probably the best draw and the best chance of all the European team. So we will be talking about that as well this week. It is a Champions League game day six or something like that so we will talk about the big matchup coming up this week in the champions league as well because mls season might be over but the footy season is going strong (laughs) but first of all mls cup wow first i gotta say benny wow what a stash mr benny Falhaber, you got style and you scored in the pk but what about aurelien collet what a great showing by him Scoring the tying goal, because first of all, the game was, alright, the extra time, like, I gotta say, RSL were unlucky all night long. Three times they hit the woodworks, Jimmy Nielsen could do nothing, and he was not playing a great game during the game. But then, he made amends for himself in the penalty shootout. So, first of all, RSL took the lead in the second half. And then René Collin at the, 70, the 72nd minute, RSL took the lead. And the 76th minute, René Collin tied on a corner, a header, boom! 1-1. Then we'll go into extra time. The two 15-minute period could not decide a winner. So then we go on to penalties. RSL miss! What? Then Kansas City score. RSL misses again. And Kansas City scores again, so... Salt Lake are down in a big 2-0 hole to start the penalties. But then, 
Things shift around. Missed penalties by Kansas City. Blocked by Ramondo. Then it's all tied after five. We're all tied. Then it goes on into sudden death. Shootout. Kansas City score. RSL scores. Then a miss. Then a miss. A block. And then to end the game. Aurélien Carlin. The 10th shooter for Kansas City. The last player before Nielsen has to shoot. Well, Aurélien shoots to his right. Raimondo dives to his left. So on the same side. Goes like two inch close to Raimondo's fingers. But no, it goes in. Kansas City scores. Then it's all up to Nielsen. And he's there. And the RSL player, which I forget his name right now, but that doesn't matter. So the 10th player who shoots for RSL just hits it. And it's off the woodworks! Right on the woodworks. The bar is shaking. Ball comes out. And Kansas City wins the MLS Cup. An epic final for an epic year. One of the most successful year in the history of Major League Soccer. And for Peter, for Peter Vermees, his second MLS Cup, his first as a coach, but let's remember that the Kansas City Wizards, back in 2000, won the Major League Soccer Cup. And Peter Vermees was a player for that team. And now, 13 years later, has a coach. He lifts that trophy for the first time. For the, can, for the sporting, but the Wizards... Yeah, but let's talk about the white-haired Puma Lizard wizard in the goal for Kansas City, which won his first trophy in 16 years as a professional goalkeeper. A journeyman, traveled across the world pretty much, and finally gets to lift an MLS Cup. You should have seen his face, because he was the one who lifted the cup for the first time at Sporting Kansas City. I'll just take a second to uh, applaud MLS for one thing. The rule changed two years ago when the highest seed team was going to host the MLS Cup final. was a great, great idea because you get to see the celebration, lucky shot. You never know if it's a home team or the away team is going to win. But when the home team lifts a trophy at home, you get to see epic emotion, legendary images on your little TV screen or big TV screen or whatever. And you get to see... The emotion of all the crowd, the emotion of the players, the owners. You should have seen the whole management and the front office run into the field as soon as the third whistle was blown, running with emotion, tears in the eyes. Well, they were not just tears, they were pretty pretty much icicles at that point. It was so frigid. It was running around minus 10 on the pitch, game time. Which is very cool when you're thinking about soccer players playing in shorts. And some people had short sleeve jersey. And no, they were not only Canadian players. <laughs> so it was a great final. It was a great ending to a great season, like I was saying. So one thing we have to think about, Kansas City, we gave them a run for their money during the season. So Montreal Impact are not far off from being able to go through that extent and maybe reach the MLS Cup final one day. So let's talk about the Montreal Impact for a second. 
No, there's still not any news about who's going to be the coach next year. And like I said, Patrick Leduc saying on RDS, the more time goes by before an announcement, the, prob- the probability of Chalibam coming back goes up, goes up because who are we going to bring? Just going to name Biel or whatever? There was rumors last week that Trapattoni might be the next coach. You remember Trapattoni, former coach of the Italian national team? I don't know if it's possible. Is that a fluke? Because he said he had offers from MLS in Japan. And I went to Pitch Fest this week, this Thursday, and having conversation with a lot of different people in the media. And their point of view was that Charlie Bomb is probably going to come back. Trapattoni was probably just a, a play on his part to make his stakes go up and get more money in Japan or whatever. A lot of people use MLS to raise the stakes for their own purposes. A lot of people use MLS as an agenda to be able to negotiate things abroad for their profit, you could say. So that's one of the things that came out of the conversation that I had with a lot of people. And they were saying there's a good probability that Charlie Bomb comes back or... Maybe somebody else, but they're not expecting a big announcement in the next couple of weeks. They're expecting to be just like Charlie Bounce Back or Biello or something in that extent. No, it's not going to be Nesta. I have no clue where Grant Wall got that information last month, but it doesn't matter. It's never. It's not going to be Nesta right now. So, for the Montreal Impact, I just have to say, talk about Pitch Fest for a second. Pitchfest was a success this weekend. It was from December 5th to December 7th. It was a festival. The idea was inspired by Noel Butler and organized with a lot of people. I don't know all the organizers, but it was a great festival. It was a pleasure to go there on Thursday night. Wasn't able to make it on Friday or Saturday, but on Thursday night, saw two great movies. One's called Lady Eastern. Talks about Senegal women's football. You gotta watch it. Interesting to see what those ladies have to face and struggle just to get a place to play and practice and not get laughed at and not get treated like creatures who are playing something they're not deemed good enough to play. So, if you have a chance to get that movie, I don't know where, ladies turn. The second movie we watched was even more interesting. It's a great movie, not just for soccer but a great movie, or football, but a great movie for the world and how ideas are more important than sports sometimes and how you can use sport to better off society as a whole. Les Rebelles du Foot, narrated by Eric Cantona, talks about Socrates from Brazil, talks about Eric Cantona's story, talks about a lot of players that have used football to better off society as a whole. And sometimes ideas are bigger than just play on the pitch. And that movie is very inspiring. So if you have a chance to watch Les Rebelles du Foot, or Foot, Footy's Rebel, whatever it's called in English, go watch that movie, rent it, buy it, do whatever you have to. It'll, you'll be glad you did that. It's a great movie. And next year, Pitch going to come back and... You have to go to Pitch Fast. It's a great way to meet people, had great conversations with. I would like to thank every podcaster that I got a chance to meet there for the first time. It's great to put a face 
to the name Mathias Vanas Arcadio Marcuzzi. Was great to meet Patrice Le, Patrick Leduc, and like to thank Patrice Bernier for, and Patrick Leduc for being ambassador of that great festival. We all learned a lot. It was great to have fun, good times with people, and what a better, what a good emplacement right next to Pop Burgundy Lion. No, I did not go have a couple pints before I went to Pitch Fest. What are you talking about? <laughs> we'll take a small break on After What Works. When we come back after the Pinball Wizards, because we all know the MLS Cup, they played that silver ball pretty well. When we come back, Champions League and the FIFA World Cup draw, we know who's playing who and all the surprises. So we'll be right back after the who. He's a pinball wizard that has to be a twist. A pinball wizard's got such a surprise. And we're back on Off the Woodworks Thursday. It was the FIFA World Cup final draw. We know the group going in to the World Cup. And to all the fake Twitter accounts out there saying... The draw was fixed. I predicted the draw before it happens. Would you stop it? Everybody made like thousands and thousands of possibilities of who's going to play in which group, blah, 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 with all those widgets online. Well, for sure somebody probably predicted it. And it happened, you know? Odds are out there. So I don't believe you all, you fake Twitter accounts. And would you please quit it? Thank you. Back to the draw, first of all, in Group A, in position A1, no surprise, it's Brazil. So Brazil is going to be there in Group 1. A2, Croatia. Then you got Mexico and Cameroon. So interesting group. Brazil probably going to finish first, so it's going to be a battle for the second place. Will Mexico and their new coach, the new manager, new selection selector, be able to overturn overcome the hardship that the Mexico El Tri have been facing lately. So Mexico is going to battle Cameroon or Croatia. Does Croatia have it in themselves to beat Cameroon and Mexico and finish second? So that's going to be the battle. One of the th those three teams is going to play for second because we all know that Brazil at home is going to have a lot of pressure to finish first in that group and will probably pull it off. Moving on to group B. A1, the defending champions, but not just of the World Cup 2010 in South Africa, but of Euro 2008 and of Euro 2012. It's Spain. El Furia Roja. Will the Spanish national team repeat a four-peat or repeat, depending on how you look at it? Because some people say that the Euro are even harder to win that than the World Cup. I don't know who, but the World Cup is a little more interesting because you get different style of play from across the globe. Well, Group B, you see Spain and in Group A2 and B2, you get the Netherlands. Very interesting matchup. Two big European powerhouse in the same group. And then you get Chile, a great South American team with a great rising in 
their soccer prowess down there. So it's going to be interesting how Chile faces those two European powerhouses. Then you get Australia. The team, formerly from Oceania region, now they call themselves from the Asia region because it's a their harder opposition. And they got better, but now they have a tough group facing Spain, Netherlands, and Chile. I don't see Australia coming out. And I see an upset. I see Spain and Chile coming out of that group, leaving the Netherlands bone dry. In Group C, Colombia. Colombia, A1. An emerging country, an emerging powerhouse in the South American. Falcao. Or Radamel Falcao from Monaco. Very interesting. Then you get Greece in C2. And Côte d'Ivoire. Drug Buzz Boys. Drogba, which is one of the feature player in Les Rebelles du Foot. So go again. I can't emphasize enough. Watch that movie and you'll learn a lot about Didier Drogba as well. Well, Drogba is going to face Japan as well. So Group C, you get Colombia, Greece, Côte d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, and Japan. Will the Blue Samurai pull an upset and qualify for the eighth, for the final eighth, final 16th? I don't know. I see Colombia moving on, and I see Côte d'Ivoire winning one of the first African country this year to get a ticket out of the group stage. Group D, Uruguay. You get Luis Suarez and Cavani with the Costa Rican. Costa Rica, the Ticos are in Group D as well from the CONCACAF representing. You got England in Group D, position three. And Italy. What an interesting group. Some say it's a group of death. Some say it isn't. Who cares about the group of death? It's an overrated expression. Anyways, but Group D is very interesting. Uruguay, Costa Rica, England, Italy. Who do I see coming out of that group? Well, right now, I see Italy and Uruguay coming out. It's, it's going to be England and Costa Rica. I have to prove me wrong on that one. But I see Suarez boys and Pirlo's boys coming out of that group. Probably the last major tournament where you will see Buffon and Pirlo, the old Italian guard, playing for the Italian national team. It's going to be interesting to see what the selection of that team is going to be as well. Group E. Some say it's called Group E for easy. In the first place for that group, the highest seeded team, apparently allegedly, in that group is Switzerland. Well, Switzerland, and then you get Ecuador, and then you get Le Bleu, the French national teams, and you get Honduras. So it's a pretty open group, and you can pretty much lock in France as moving on from that group. It might not be as easy as it looked on paper, but I think France can handle Honduras, and I pretty much know that France can handle Ecuador as well. Can France handle Switzerland, because Switzerland is an emerging country, but playing a lot of games, just like the United States, get them a lot of points, and in that case, get more highest seeding in the FIFA ranking, which is one of the most biased ranking in the whole world anyways. But those two teams get a higher seed, well, not the USA, obviously, because they're last in their group, but Switzerland get a highest ranking than they should probably deserve. Well, Switzerland and France are probably... The two teams from that group moving on. So it's going to be Group E, not only for easy, but for Europe. Then you get Group F. 
Group F4. All right. You get Argentina, the first. So, will Lionel Messi, Leo Messi, be fit enough and healthy come summertime next year to maybe take his, his team to the next level and maybe get the only thing missing from his career to say that he's one of the greatest of all time and that would be a World Cup. So can Argentina move on? And you get a very surprising country. Uh, a new player in the European scene, you could say Bosnia Herzegovina. First time, Group F for first. And they're very interesting, very pleasing to watch. A very open and attack-minded football. So Group F for first and interesting to watch. Let's see what they can do. Then you get Iran. Iran qualified for the World Cup and they're in Group F with Nigeria. So Iran from the Middle East. And you get Nigeria here from Nigeria. What? You get Nigeria from Africa. I see two countries moving on. I see Argentina and Nigeria. Unfortunately, Bosnia is going to make a lot of new fans, but won't be able to qualify for the next round. And can Iran get another goal? That's going to be Iran's objective, is to get a goal. Or maybe a draw, but that would be pushing it. Group G, Germany, Portugal, Ghana, and USA. Some say it's a group of death because you get Germany team formerly coached by Jurgen Klinsmann, who is the U.S. Nationals team coach. You get Ghana. Ghana, the team who eliminated Egypt with Bob Bradley as its former coach. Now, there's a lot of rumors saying that Bob Bradley is going to be maybe the coach in Vancouver, or maybe, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Bob Bradley is going to be Montreal, but I would doubt that very much. Because if we didn't like Jesse Marsh, do you think we're going to like his mentor? Exactly. And Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. Can Ronaldo continue to take the whole country on his shoulder and propel the team forward? Because he's the sole reason the team is in the World Cup to start with. If it wasn't for his fourth goal in two games against Sweden, Zlatan would have carried Sweden in the World Cup with his three goals in two games. But no, Cristiano Ronaldo said no. And Portugal are in. And Portugal will not move on out of the group. I predict Germany and I predict an underdog move on of the USA. Everybody's already kicking him. They think they're already down and out and already betting against them. Well, I am not. Germany's going to move on and USA is going to move on. I believe the USA are going to repeat a 3-2 against Portugal again. And I believe they're going to make it a draw again with Ghana and maybe even with Germany. And the underdog will go on. So in my opinion, moving out of Group G will be Germany and the United States of America. Group H, Belgium. With the young, golden generation, as they call them, the Lukaku, the Bruin, Azar. All those young and talented and great players will help Belgium farewell in the World Cup. They played beautifully in the qualifiers and they will be able to do the same thing, I believe, in 
the World Cup. So Belgium, the team to watch in Group H. Then you get Algeria, Russia, and Korea Republic, South Korea. Will Russia finally be able to move on and prove that they have a team that can move on to the next level? Or can Algeria make an upset? Or maybe South Korea? Well, I don't know. In my opinion, that group is very open for Belgium and Russia. So another group where two European teams will probably move on, in my opinion. So there you have it, folks. That's your World Cup group stage for next summer. It's going to be a great, great month. Can't wait for that World Cup to start. It's going to be amazing. Watch for next summer after it works. I have daily coverage of the World Cup with videos and everything for next World Cup. So it's going to be great. I already started planning that for next summer. So it's going to be great. And this week, December 10th and 11th, match day number six in Europe. Champions League. Champions! So, December 10th, that is Tuesday. Sociedad Bayern Leverkusen. You get Man United, Shakhtar Donetsk. Can Donetsk travel to Old Trafford and continue doing what things been doing in Old Trafford? And that is getting results. Very possible. Donetsk is a very capable team. Get Copenhagen versus Real Madrid. Look for Carlo Ancelotti's boys to play great and look for Ronaldo to continue to dominate. Galatasaray and Didier Drogba are facing Juventus without Pirlo. And look for Galatasaray at home. Very intimidating place to play, I must say, to get a result against Juventus. Olympiakos and Anderlecht. It's Greece versus Belgium. Interesting to see what happens there. Andrelex got the upper hand in my opinion. Benfica versus PSG. Can Lisbon beat Paris? Look for Zlatan to come up on top. You got Flizzin against CSK Moscow. I don't know. Who cares about that game? Anyway, then you get Bayern Munich versus Manchester City. A clash of titans on Tuesday. On Wednesday. Chelsea against Steya Bucharest. A replay of last year's Europa League. Semi-final. Quarter-final. Something like that. In the Champions League this time. Look for Chelsea to come out on top. After an upset loss. This weekend. To Stoke in extra time. Schalke 04 versus... The team that Montreal head coach, manager, Charlie Baum used to coach, FC Basel in Schalke. As well on Napoli versus, versus uh, Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund. Great game for Napoli. But Benitez against, no, sorry about that guys. My bad, Napoli Arsenal. Marseille Dortmund at the Vélodrome. Les Olympiques versus the Hipsters. Atletico, Porto. Australian Zenit, then two more. Barcelona, Celtic. Barcelona, Celtic. Come on, Celtic on the road. Beat Barcelona, Barcelona without Messi, without all his players. Barcelona are in a slump. And can Celtic continue that winning? They 
played great against Barcelona in the last couple years. Hopefully they can pull it off again. Then the last game, um, December 11th, Wednesday. Milan hopefully can pull off a victory and continue to fare well in Europe. And maybe move out of that group. Barcelona might struggle even to get out. It's going to be interesting. Interesting to see what's going to happen in the Champions League this week. Again, I would like to take a second and congratulate Sporting Kansas City on a great season and on the raising of the MLS Cup trophy. Thanks to every single one of you for listening to Off the Woodworks this week. It was a great season of the MLS and now it's moving on to continue watching and following what's going on in the news in Montreal, on footy news, and around North America and beyond. <laughs> so, thanks for... Uh, subscribing to this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, on rednationonline.ca, and anywhere where you get your RSS feed and podcast, feed burners, Podbean, and every single one possible. I am there. You can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook, Off The Woodworks. My name is Kevin Nagame, and have a great soccer. Seen him fall, that gift of a black kid. Show up, plays a mean pinball.